Happy Friday, everyone, and welcome to HR Work Break. I'm your host, Maddie Collins, editor of HR Daily Advisor. HR Work Break takes a quick but close look at everything human resources. For any HR professional, it's a must listen. I hope you learn something new, take some advice to heart, or simply stay abreast today's trending topics. Now, it's time for a work break. Happy Friday and welcome to HR Work Break. Today, I'm joined by Jen Kishel, Vice President of Workforce Engagement at MetLife. For over 150 years, MetLife has looked for ways to help people live better, healthier lives. It offers life, accident, and health insurance, as well as retirement and savings products through agents, third-party distributors such as banks and brokers, and direct marketing channels. Jen, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm really excited for this conversation. So kind of just to get us started, MetLife recently released a survey that found that 45% of remote workers struggle to understand their employee benefits, while only 29% of those on-site workers feel the same. So how do you think remote work contributes to a lack of communication or understanding on benefits? Yeah, so that was our uh, 2022 annual open enrollment survey, and those results were just as surprising to us as they probably were to you. I think it's a couple of things, right? And and certainly some of this is fact and some of this is just being in the business for a while and having a pretty good idea of, of how these things work. But I think overall, when you think about individuals who are now working from home, that's a relatively new concept. And during COVID, the masses all worked from home, but everybody kind of thought that was a temporary thing. And I'm sure lots of people hoped that it would turn into a full-time situation. But now that it has, I think it creates some additional anxiety. And so when you think about benefits specifically, there is a lack of organic conversation. When you were in the office, you might have been hanging by the water cooler, or maybe you were at a a bigger lunch table and conversations normally turn to, hey, what are you going to do this year on your open enrollment? Any benefits catch your eye? Or did you see that email about pet insurance? Like, what do you think? And so those conversations aren't happening now that people are at home. And so they naturally feel a little excluded from that. And I think there's also a concern. This is really the first likely full year that folks have been home on a non-COVID work from home arrangement. People are concerned that their benefits might change. Are my benefits different than what I was being offered when I was in the office, right? And I think there's a natural kind of curiosity about that, but also a fear. Yeah. And transparency within any level of business, especially within benefits. And that clear, concise communication is something that all job owners and job seekers are kind of looking for. So do you have any advice for employers and HR departments on how to like clearly communicate their benefits packages or at least enhance communication between those in person and those remote? So I would say a couple of things. And someone I worked with years ago used to say this and somehow it stuck, but communicate, communicate. And when you think you're done communicating, communicate some more. (laughs) I think people like to think, oh, the two emails that we sent is fine. Assume that maybe they didn't read those two, right? And so think about a very multi-pronged approach and also repetition. It is a small window of time, generally speaking, when folks get to select their benefits, right? And it's once a year in most instances as well. And so there is this kind of lead up to that time and hopefully folks are paying attention and hopefully folks are reading the emails that they get, but everybody's inundated with communications. So I think it's really important to make sure there are a 
lot of communications. So that's kind of first, right? Make sure you have an abundance of communications. I would say the second thing is to make sure there is a variety in the way that you're communicating, right? So don't just send emails. Think about whether there's some aspect of a postcard that you could send to the home. Is there some aspect of a webinar that you could offer to individuals who are full-time remote? One of the departments that I have responsibility for is called our on-site enrollment team. And back you know, pre-COVID days, really popular to have a table set up in a cafeteria and you might have a benefit fair that day at work. Every carrier was there with their tablecloths and their material and generally speaking, some sort of a giveaway. And those are still popular, right? It's regaining some popularity after the last couple of years. But if you're home full time, you can't take advantage of that. So how do you make sure that folks who are at home on a full-time schedule have access to that same kind of environment, right? Ask an expert. Maybe it's a chat feature. Maybe it's, you know, a Zoom meeting like we're on today. Maybe it's some other way of electronically offering people advice or guidance on what benefits might be best for them. And then thirdly is to make sure that if you were a manager of your employees, that you're talking to them. Right. The thing that is so relevant is the actual conversations. And that's the piece I worry the most about for our full-time remote coworkers. And I'm one of those individuals who have been fortunate enough to be home for a long time. But those conversations have to be a little more forced than they used to be when I was in an office. Right. And so as a manager of a team of individuals, ask folks how they're feeling about benefits this year. Ask individuals, are they curious about a particular benefit? Tell stories about your own experience. Become a trusted colleague for people who might be at home. And I would say, of course, for people in the office as well. But certainly offer up that expertise that you might have or the story that you might have about how you used pet insurance last year or how, wow, I didn't even know that this benefit offered this plan feature, right? I have a legal plan and I didn't even know I could get a will for free. And that was an amazing thing for me to do for my family. Whatever those stories are, share them. It shouldn't be taboo, but it has become such a taboo topic to talk about benefits. It's like the salary conversations in the 70s. Yeah. And so kind of um, speaking to the way that remote work has caused like water cooler conversations to be more forced, more intentional. Yeah. Do you have any advice on how to keep employees engaged as a whole and how to make the culture one that makes it accessible and easy to have those maybe more difficult conversations like about benefits or even about salary? Yeah. So a couple of things I think that are at least tips that have worked for me, right? One of which is I always make sure when I'm having a conversation with an individual, whether that be a scheduled one-on-one or uh, an impromptu conversation, I always make sure there's something personal in that conversation, right? I have to make sure I connect with them on a level besides just whatever the urgent work need is, because I want them to like recognize that we do have a relationship. And it doesn't just have to be manager and employee, right? It really is something that I think we can, you know, respect each other a ton. The other thing I would say is to make sure that you're sharing how you are getting inspiration from them, right? And again, I think it's a lot of personal touches can get added to help people really understand that I'm here for them regardless of whatever their scenario is, whatever their questions might be. Yeah. That appreciation is something that goes a really long way with retention. And another thing that your survey found was that 61% of work from home employees stay because their employer's benefits are like a significant aspect of what's keeping them at the company. 
So while benefits and compensation are important, they're just one piece of the retention puzzle. So what parts do you think play the biggest role in today's retention problems beyond engagement and benefits and compensation? So I'm sure you've heard the adage, people leave their manager, not their job. That has always been true, but it's probably even more true today, right? Again, if I'm not in the office, if I'm not at the water cooler, if I'm not having the casual conversation at my boss's door, how am I feeling like I'm connected to the rest of the organization? How am I feeling like I'm not an outcast or how am I making sure that if those conversations have happened, someone is filling me in on the results of those. So I don't feel like I'm being left out. And I think that's really, really important. I do think culture and engagement is even more critical than it ever has been before. And I know culture is a word that gets thrown around a lot, but when you think about what do I believe in, what do I support, and how do the people that I work with every day, how do they understand that? And how do they even make me better? You know, they stand up behind me and they lift me up. They make sure that I feel exactly your point, appreciated, respected, and understood. And I think the other piece that will be interesting to see how it plays out as folks work from home and they're not part of as many meetings, by the way, that's not necessarily a bad thing, (laughs) but you want to make sure folks are getting credit for the work they're doing too, right? It might be easier to not give them credit if they're not in the meeting. They almost have to go overboard with that credit a little bit, if that makes sense, and making sure that we're recognizing the contributions of individuals on projects or an initiative that was being undertaken and making sure that the rest of the organization knows that just because they might not be at the lunch table, they're still just as an important piece of our organization as they would be if they were in person. Yeah. And as important as it is to celebrate those things that people are achieving and doing, do you have any advice on how to combat proximity bias? Like if you have an employee who hasn't had the opportunity to participate on projects, how do you make sure that they're not forgotten in the process, especially when they might be behind the screen? Yeah. So I think it's a really, really good question. And I'm not sure I have hundred percent of the answers, but I'll give you some thoughts. And this would be an interesting one you know, to hear from your audience on their thoughts. But I think cameras help as much of a hindrance as they can be. And I don't believe anybody, unless you're a television host, should be on camera all day long because I think the Zoom fatigue is real. But watching people's reactions and their facial expressions is so important. And I think you get a lot more out of those conversations. And not every conversation between two people has to be on camera, but it's definitely a good idea to have one every once in a while, once a week, once every other week. So you can see where you might be losing someone, where they might be distracted or where they don't understand, especially if you're doing something like a project or an initiative, you want to make sure you're bringing everybody along at the same speed. I also would recommend that you try to have a mix of people on projects that are in different work arrangements. So not everybody is in the office except for that one individual, if possible, and understand that's not always possible. But if you have a couple of people that are home or a couple of people that are hybrid, then I think it becomes easier to make sure those folks aren't being left out. If it's just one person, I think that can be a little bit, almost too easy to have those conversations. Everybody's in the office except for that one individual, and then they feel left out. If you are managing the project or that person, I would say the conversations that you have with them are even more critical to make sure you bring them up to speed on anything that might have happened that they might have missed. 
in an organic way, of course, right? Not, hey, by the way, you missed this since you weren't in the office. But oh, I just want to let you know about a conversation we had yesterday that I think impacts the project you're working on, right? And so I do think that is going to take effort and time for folks to get used to that balance. Uh, but as someone that has been working from home for many years, I also have found that I have a role to make sure I'm speaking up about things that maybe I feel like might have happened in my absence or if I'm not clear on something, sometimes it's easier to defer. Now more than ever, if you are a work from home colleague and other folks are in the office, it's really important that you speak up and make sure you're being heard as well. Yeah, it's kind of incredible how easy it is to forget the small conversations <laughs> that you might have in office. We go in every Wednesday now. Some of us are in the Connecticut office. Some of us are in Massachusetts and Tennessee. And one of my coworkers, Bianca, who I work closest with, I realized that we hadn't brought her in on the loop that no one really stays past 4.30 in the office just because we got our work done. And I'm like, oh my God, I feel really bad. Bianca's been staying in the office. And she's like, no, thanks for bringing me on on the loop. Like, <laughs> glad we're on the same page now. Yeah. And it is, it is effort, right? And it's going to take time. Now, I just like with everything else, I think we're starting to see that shift. And I think a year from now, maybe 18 months from now, it won't be an issue at all. Or I, I certainly hope so. But I think just like every other interactions with employees, right? You need to get to know your coworkers. You need to understand what motivates them, what frustrates them. And, and then I think it becomes a much smoother interaction. But I think this becomes a piece of it too. How do they prefer to be communicated to if they're home and you're in the office? And what cadence, what schedule, what tactics do they prefer? Do they prefer a quick email with bullets versus do they want me to send them a Teams message or text them or give them a quick call, right? These are things we all need to learn about our coworkers. Yeah, no, that's super true. And kind of bringing this back to the conversation we were having about benefits, do you have any best practices for, like you said, how to facilitate communication and even on a basic level, build a culture where employees feel able to express the best way to communicate with them or feel comfortable to ask about things like that? I think it is, uh, it boils down to a ton of respect and a lack of judging someone, right? So the saying of like, there is no stupid questions or there are no stupid questions is pretty true. We have to remember that because something that we may think if we're in an office working to your point, if on Wednesdays I was with a group of people and we already talked about whatever issue of the day, and then someone asks you a question about that on Friday, you're going to be like, we already talked about that. And that might be your thought process. Then you have to take a step back and remember, actually, that person wasn't part of that conversation. And so I think it is think first, speak second, when you're being asked questions and being really open, diversity, equity, and inclusion is a really hot topic and no better time than the present for certain. But that inclusion is really, really important, making people feel like their opinions are valued. And I think you do that by listening first, by responding where appropriate without judgment asking questions if you don't understand something that they might be asking or even if they're telling you something. And so I really believe that so much of this is boiling down to having a personal relationship. By the way, I don't mean you have to be best friends with the people that you work with. It would be impossible, I think, to be best friends with that many people. <laughs> but I do think it's really important that you have a connection to them that goes beyond just the work that you're doing, right? And so as an example, like, do you know whether they're married? Do you know whether they have children? Do you know what their situation is? Do they live in an apartment? Do they live in a home, right? Sometimes you can look at 
an office or a background on Zoom and folks will put up the programmed backgrounds that Zoom offers or WebEx yeah. or whatever platform you're using and you have no idea where they are. And I'm not saying you need to start criticizing them about where are they or interrogating them about whether they are somewhere they shouldn't be. But, you know, especially if it's someone that you're interacting with regularly, what do you know about them? It means a lot when your employer is able to ask how your cat is or how your dog yeah. is or if your kid's you soccer it. game went well. You got it. Yeah. And kind of in that vein, like, what do you think the human part of human resources boils down for for you? So for me, it's a reminder that we're working with people, that it's not machines, it's not robots, it's people. People have motivations and desires and mindsets that may not always align with us or me individually, right? Empathy is such a huge part of working with people. And it's something I hope we never lose, but we have to work at it. And we may not always understand why someone does what they do or how they reacted to a certain situation, but we should always assume they have the best intentions first right? And work to understand their motivations before we make any assumptions about it being anything other than the best intention. That's a really good way to look at it. So we've talked a lot about work, but since this podcast airs on Fridays, I'd love to know what you're looking forward to this weekend. Yes. So actually, this is a really rare weekend in my household. I have two teenagers and neither of them have an early morning sport commitment, which I think might be the first time since maybe July. So I think my two kids and I are certainly looking forward to sleeping in. And then I will also be mourning the closure of my pool. Now, there's no way I'm going in the pool for the next five (laughs) months. But when they close it tomorrow, it will make me sad. If the pool is closed and I see it from my office window, it feels like winter is here. And that's the defining moment for me. So I look forward to it opening in the spring because it makes me feel happy again. But I will definitely be sad about that. No, I totally feel you. My parents moved to a new place and they have a pool. And so they are not ready to close up the pool yet because my dad is crazy and still swims. Really? Yeah, he's he's tough. But it's like when you turn on the heat, when you close the pool, that's when like fall and winter really kind of start to sink in. Yeah, it gives me something to look forward in the spring. But I definitely am definitely sad about it the first couple of days at least. Yeah, well, hopefully we get some pretty weather to cover up the sadness (laughs) of closing the pool at least. (laughs) I hope so. Yeah. But Jen, thank you so much for joining me today. It's really been a pleasure. Thanks for having me. It was really fun. I enjoyed it. Yeah, I had a really good time too. Thank you again. And I hope you have a good relaxing weekend. Thank you. Again, I'm Maddie Collins and thank you for listening. Join us next Friday or whenever you need a work break.